It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 133 of the Big Cruise Podcast, recorded today, Sunday the 5th of March 2023. A quick thank you once again to uh, Gary, our unofficial photographer in Sydney, for sending some great shots this week, which of course we have included in the show notes there. Uh, Queen Victoria was uh, arriving in Sydney there um, as part of her... uh, 100-year celebrations around world cruising. And MSC, we're also in town, a ship and a cruise line that we don't often see in this part of the world. Uh, but of course, she is undertaking her world cruise on MSC Poesia, uh, which again was in Sydney. So thank you to Gary uh, for those images. And if yourself, you're out and about and you have uh, a couple of shots of great cruise ships you want to share, send them through, just like you would a question or a cruise review via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Um, and then click on the top right-hand corner where you see Join the Show. Um, Chris will be joining us in just a second. We've also got some live audio from Chris on board Queen Victoria a little earlier in the week. Uh, I think it's going to be a great show, so let's jump straight on into it. Enjoy the show. And of course, we're very excited to get uh, Chris Frame back on the line because Chris has just been on board uh, a beautiful Cunard ship delivering his uh, onboard lecture course. Chris, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's great to be back. And yeah, had a wonderful time on Queen Victoria. Um, very short trip though, Baz. We we boarded the ship in the Bay of Islands, which is quite interesting, and yeah. uh, a tender embarkation, uh, and just sailed across to to Sydney. So it was uh, you know three days on board the ship. Now, of course, you uh, you did record a bit of exclusive audio for us on board to, to share with the, the listeners. So well, I believe we're going to play that in just a second. Yes, absolutely. And uh, look, it was it was recorded um, on the ship, out on deck. So there's a there's a few spots in it where it's a, a little bit windy, and I do apologise for that. But um, it was uh, recorded after the arrival into Sydney, which was um, sort of coincided with a a very very cool um, drone light show to welcome the ship back, um, acknowledging uh, the ship's 
uh, arrival as part of the centenary world cruise that they're doing um and also uh it sort of uh, was in honor as well of the pride celebrations that were happening in sydney so there's some great pictures that um that i managed to take on board the ship which i'll share with you for the show notes um yeah but you know it's interesting because this this cruise that queen victoria is on at the moment is um in honor of the centenary of world cruising with with cunard Uh, queen mary 2 is also um, doing a world cruise under the same um, same theme. And so a hundred years ago at the moment, the first Cunard world cruise was, was being undertaken. Um, it was on board a ship called Laconia and it was actually done in partnership with American Express. And it's interesting actually, because when you look back at those early days, um, and even earlier, in fact, into the 19th century, there were a number of, of sort of companies that worked with, with travel providers or, um, you know, tour operators, I suppose, as you can put them, mm-hmm. um, to offer uh, long duration voyages for people who are who are wealthy enough and, and, and inquisitive enough and brave enough um, to go around the world on these ships. And there's actually quite a few um, contenders for the first world cruise, depending on how you define it. <laughs> um, we've been doing quite a bit of research, research rather, for our new book um that's that's due to come out later this year and in fact we can trace it all the way back to a, a 19th century uh ship called ceylon which was originally built for P&O, but then was ultimately sold um to be converted mm. into a, a luxury steam yacht <laughs> and uh and she undertook a, a a world cruise but unlike the the cunard service uh this particular trip was uh, it was quite hard to sell the idea of a, of a world cruise, and so they only managed to sell uh, forty of the one hundred berths on board the ship. Oh, <laughs> um, wow. So it made a loss for the company, but it um, it did uh, it set out to undertake a, a, an opportunity to try and circumnavigate circumnavigate the world in one continuous go. Uh, and of course, up until up until Cunard's voyages, there were a number of ships or companies rather that did world cruises by by packaging up and allowing you to travel. Uh, bit yeah. by bit around the world on different um, on different ships, uh, and there was organisations such as Thomas Cook, who yep, were yep. instrumental in in creating these sort of packaged, escorted um, uh, cruise combination holidays, which reminds me a little bit of the high high end travel agencies these days, where they'll you know bring a group of people together and have uh, one of the travel agents travel with you on board the ship to do all the extra mm. extra things and it was a little bit like that with Thomas Cook so there's a lot of um, a lot of history there very rich history but Cunard of course had a had a big part in that by undertaking those continuous world cruises um Laconia's trip was so successful that they actually repeated it the following uh, year and uh well in fact the ship the Laconia set sail in 1922, sailed through 1923, and then they had another trip in 1923 as well on a, on a different ship. But we Ooh. go into all of that in this uh, little uh, snippet from on board the ship. So, um, yeah, hopefully that will be interesting for the listeners. Yeah, let's uh, let's take a listen now. Thanks, Baz, and hello from the Queen Victoria. We've just arrived in Sydney Harbour after a fantastic crossing of the Tasman Sea. And it's amazing how uh, the Tasman can be so different depending on which crossing you're doing uh, that stretch of water because in the last uh, two months I've done the Trans-Tasman uh, four times and each time the water has been completely different. The first uh, first two crossings were quite rough. The, the third one on Pacific Explorer was... Uh, 
bow waves over the front of the ship and then on this trip it's been completely smooth like sailing on glass it's just been an absolutely wonderful trip so i boarded the ship in the bay of islands arriving in there uh, on the morning uh, of embarkation flying in on a, a little tiny air new zealand uh, dash eight from auckland uh, as we came into uh, the bay of islands there in new zealand could see the queen victoria out of the uh, um, left-hand side of the aircraft there and we came in for a beautiful landing and then uh, took the uh, tender boat across to board the ship uh, embarked on board it's a strange experience actually boarding the ship with um your luggage on the uh, on the tender boat lots of people looking at us a little bit strangely wondering what we're doing with uh, all of our bags on board the tender but uh, it was great to get on board the ship and to see her uh, safely and securely there in uh in the bay of islands and then uh, the ship set sail two days across the uh, across the Tasman. Uh, I did uh, two lectures. This particular voyage is the 100th anniversary of Cunard's uh, centenary of uh, of world cruises. So, a hundred years ago, uh, at the moment, the Laconia was undertaking the first continuous world cruise in partnership between Cunard and American Express, and this was a special experience for passengers because. It was the first time that a passenger ship undertook an entire world voyage where passengers booked the cruise all on one ship. Uh, prior to this, you could also do uh, world voyages, but you would move from ship to ship um, from different parts of the world uh, to get around the full circumnavigation. But the Laconia undertook the whole thing uh, herself and it was, uh, it was uh, sort of um, done for American Express uh, members as a special sort of event for them. So that was uh, that was how it all started all those years ago. It was so successful that Cunard then sent the Samaria on a, uh, a similar crossing, a similar world voyage, uh, and uh, she undertook it as well. So you had two ships in 1923 uh, undertaking that uh, world cruise. So it's, uh, of course, become a great Cunard tradition in the years since, and Sydney has been a big part of uh, the world cruises throughout these years. Uh, the first ships actually didn't come here. Those original world voyages on the Cunard ships never came to Australia. They, they uh, bypassed our part of the world. But uh, in subsequent years, uh, Sydney and Australia was added to the uh, world cruise schedule. And uh, from about the 1970s onwards, Cunard's had a very uh, long-standing presence here in Australia, uh, sending the QE2 down to Australia in the 1970s. Uh, she operated uh, world cruises throughout much of her service career, uh, visited the Australian shores uh, 25 times throughout her career. And then, of course, uh, with uh, the 1990s, we saw uh, QE2 and Sargafjord doing uh, tandem world cruises and would rendezvous in Sydney. Uh, back in the 1980s, Cunard even chartered the Concorde to fly passengers uh, across from the United Kingdom, especially to Sydney, to board Kiwi 2 and Sargafjord. And in fact, uh, during that 1988 occasion, um, the Concorde actually broke the speed record for the quickest flight between the uh, United Kingdom and Australia. So uh, another nice little moment in history there. Uh, in more recent years, from 2007, uh, Queen Mary 2 arrived in uh, Sydney Harbour for the first time. Um, on one of her uh, world voyages and uh, rendezvoused with QE2 here in Sydney back in, uh, back in 2007. And that occasion actually brought the city here to a standstill. There were uh, estimated to be upwards to a million people around the harbour. Um, 
I, I was here all those all those years ago watching this uh, spectacle as QE2 entered the port, passed by Queen Mary 2, and there was just so many people uh, out and about to see the ships, and it actually brought the uh, the city's infrastructure to a bit of a grinding halt with the ferries unable to operate, uh, the train service being um, packed with people coming in to see the ship and many cars uh, backed up along the Sydney Harbour Bridge due to the traffic that was uh, building up in the city for that uh, amazing uh, experience. The following year in 2008, uh, QE2 and QV, uh, Queen Victoria, they rendezvoused here in Sydney. It was QE2's last visit and Queen Victoria's first. Uh, so it feels quite fitting to be here um, aboard Queen Victoria in the harbour uh, to honour this uh, centenary of of world cruises. At the same time, Cunard's Queen Mary 2 is uh, is in Darwin today and she's making her way around Australia as part of her um, her world cruise. Her northern hemisphere route on this voyage particularly uh, follows the uh, the uh, the path that the Samaria uh, took but as she went to the southern hemisphere she's uh, doing a slightly altered course uh, so she's coming down to Australia to 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 call in here during her her world voyage uh, and it's the first time that these two ships have been back since the pandemic so it's uh, quite an exciting uh, experience for people in this part of the world this particular voyage as I mentioned has been great I did two talks on board uh, there was uh, one about the history of Cunard in Australia, uh, which was a new talk which was put together for this voyage and for a subsequent one I'm doing on Queen Mary 2 in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, and then there was uh, another talk that I, I presented about the history of the Cunard Queens. And it was just wonderful to see people turning out the, the uh, Royal Court Theatre, filling with people to listen to the history of ocean liners. Once again, it's just, as I'm saying, it's wonderful to be back um, speaking on, uh, on these ships as they go around the world on their world cruises. Uh, now, as Queen Victoria came into the harbour this morning at about uh, 5.15 in the morning, still dark outside, the ship stopped uh, in the harbour and there was a special drone light show put on for the ship uh, to welcome her back but also to celebrate uh, Pride which has been taking place in Sydney at the moment and you can see the Pride flags flying from many of the buildings here and also from the bow of Queen Mary 2 in, in honour of that uh, that event that's taking place in the city. So this has been a great voyage, the ship is looking fantastic, the passengers on board seem really happy. There's uh, something like 1,500 passengers or so who are doing the entire world cruise and about 400 or so are turning over here today to, um, to allow new people to come on board and that they're going to um, make their way around Australia, some of them, or some of them are heading home. In fact, some people are going to spend a few days in Sydney and then board Queen Mary 2 to do the rest of the world cruise on the larger Cunard Line flagships. That's pretty cool as well. Uh, as for me, I'm heading off to the airport very soon and then we'll be back uh, with uh, Cunard to do some more lectures on board Queen Mary 2 in the coming weeks and definitely we'll be bringing you something from that. But uh, until then, we're going to go back to our usual podcast broadcast now and uh, back over to Baz and current present day Chris. Awesome, Chris. Sounds uh, excellent on board Cunard once again. And of course, it is great to see um, all the different cruise lines and all the different vessels and the variety of cruises that they offer back in, in Sydney Harbour once again. Yeah, it's uh, such a wonderful harbour to, to sail into. And I mean, you, you and I both had that very memorable experience back in May of last year mm -hmm. on the first voyage out of Sydney after the shutdown ended um, on board uh, P&O Pacific Explorer and just going near the Sydney Harbour Bridge or under the Sydney Harbour Bridge as we did um, mm -hmm. on, on P&O, it was 
you know, it's one of those places that, that you can't really find anywhere else in the world. So it just feels so special, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I mean, Circular Quay, it's rare that a cruise port is so close to the, the CBD, to this, the heart of the city. And uh, Sydney offers that in abundance. Like You literally are right there in the, the heart and the pulse of everything that's happening in Sydney, which is great. Yeah, it's good. I was actually at a um, a cruising event a little while ago, and one of the uh, cruise executives made a comment about the fact that Sydney's bridge was too small. It was built too small, and everybody from Australia was very quick to point out that the bridge was there first. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to plan your your arrivals here to get into Circular Quay because obviously the other cruise terminals um, are on the other side of the bridge, and some of these very large ships can't uh, yep. can't fit underneath. But you know. With some innovative thinking as well, they've been able to make even the enormous grand class ships, the 105 or 109 rather thousand tons um, Pacific Adventure, she can fit underneath because they've, they've shortened the funnel. So yeah, yeah. There, is, there is ways to make it happen. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Um, we're going to take a very, very short break, Chris, and then we'll come back with, of course, the latest cruise news. Sounds good. Be sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels. Okay, Chris, uh, Cunard are kicking off our news this week. Uh, so mm. we've got a, a, quite a feature of Cunard this week. Uh, but of course, uh, Cunard have announced that uh, the next queen, Queen Anne, will uh, be undertaking her maiden visit to Australia as part of her 24-25 Australia and New Zealand season. Yes, that's true. So they've uh, they've made that announcement now that Queen Anne will be coming here. I think she'll be very uh, well welcomed when she arrives. There's lots of interest on board um, the, the Cunard ships that I've been traveling with in Australian waters from Australian yeah. travelers about um, Queen Anne. And I actually think quite a few of them have, um, quite a few Aussies have booked on that maiden, maiden voyage as well, which of course is taking place um, early next year. So yeah, so Queen Anne's uh, maiden visit here is just one of many announcements that they've made about their upcoming season in, in our waters, but also up to other destinations further away from, from Europe. That includes uh, Queen Elizabeth undertaking a circumnavigation of Australia, doing a Ooh. whole heap of uh, sailings out of Queensland and the South Pacific. But they've also released uh, some information about what their other ships are going to be doing as well, Baz. Yeah, yeah, we've got itineraries through um, through Alaska, up into Japan, etc. But uh, one thing that uh, really sparked my interest there was the the opportunity to do what we used to call years ago a royal rendezvous. This mm-hmm. time, you can actually cruise on all four queens, uh, starting off there uh, with Queen Victoria. Um, the whole, if you were to do all four queens on this particular itinerary, is a thirty eight night voyage on Queen Victoria in uh, in the Med, and then moving over to Queen Anne uh, for one of her earlier seasons from Rome through to Southampton. Then jumping on board uh, Queen Mary 2 to head across the Atlantic from Southampton to New York. or And then ultimately, if you want to, you can add on a beautiful voyage through Alaska on board Queen Elizabeth uh, later. Mm. So uh, yeah, great opportunity there for people that want to. Absolutely. And it's really nice to see that despite all the attention that's been sort of focused on Queen Anne, that they're also highlighting Queen Mary 2, she mm. is and will remain, even with Queen Anne in service, the most unique ship in Cunard's fleet because she is an ocean liner. She does undertake that unique transatlantic crossing and um, they, they're going to be continuing that throughout um, 2025 with uh, voyages uh, on Queen Mary 2 for her transatlantic season uh, from January um, through to May. So mm. she's going to have a very busy time crossing the Atlantic backwards and forwards, uh, doing what she does best and that is being a big ocean liner in the middle of a big open ocean <laughs> i just noticed queen victoria is also doing a 78 night voyage of south america as well so uh, that'd be quite yeah. nice to cruise from southampton all the way down to the shores of brazil chile ecuador to name just a few 
Queen Victoria's had quite a few um, voyages to South America in its career, so she's she's probably like a, a will be a welcome sight in those waters once again. Ah, very good, love it. Well done, Cunard. I can't wait to to see Queen Anne and uh, release more information as we get a little closer to uh, to the launch of her. Of course, uh, we're staying with Convo Corporation and uh, this time with. P&O UK, Chris, because they've announced a new partnership and also announcing the godmother of Avia. Yeah, so Avia's godmother is going to be Nicole Scherzinger, who's uh, a uh, award-winning performer, and she's been uh, selected by P&O to be the godmother of uh, their newest ship, the Avia, which mm. is already um, make, turning a lot of heads. You know, the, the, the Avia and her sister Iona, they're they're very um, large ships for P&O UK. Um, and interestingly enough, I was talking to some passengers um, on my recent trip on Queen Victoria who had mm. been on Iona and said that the P&O product um, actually works really well on such a large ship. And they've, oh. um, they've managed to make the ship feel very um, homely and welcoming. So uh, that's on Iona, same sort of class as Avia. So it'd be really interesting to see how, how Avia is received when she comes into service. Yeah, of course. And Nicole was famous uh, for her participation in the Pussycat Dolls back in the day. And of course, this naming ceremony, we did touch on this last week, will be live on YouTube. It'll be broadcast, uh, of course, from Barbados on the 16th of March. There is a link in the show notes. Uh, but of course, the times are listed there are UK time. So you need to adjust your clocks depending on where in the world you may want to tune in. Yep. Now we've got the double whammy of news from Carnival this week, Chris. The first is that they're adding a fourth ship to Galveston, Texas. Yes, it's getting very popular as a as a port for um, mm. for Carnival there. So it's Carnival Miracle, which will be making that repositioning, and she's a um, a Spirit class ship, so very similar to the Carnival Spirit that came and was based in Australia for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's making her way across to Galveston. She used to sail out of San Francisco, uh, and that will uh, commence from October the first, twenty twenty four. Yeah, so she's got a bit of a Panama uh, canal sailing there as well, which will be appealing. Uh, we've got a, some exotics of the Caribbean, and then we've got a Southern Caribbean journey as well. So, yeah, she would be a welcomed addition. Of course, her sisters sailing out of Galveston are Carnival Breeze, uh, which generally sails on four- and five-day cruises, Carnival Dream, which is mostly six- and eight-days, and uh, the new XL Cliss, the uh, Carnival Jubilee, with uh, her yes. roller coaster, of course. Um, she's going to be sailing out of there from December on uh, seven-day sailings too. Absolutely. And, you know, Carnival Miracles actually just had a, had a dry docking and they've given her the new Carnival livery uh, with mm. the, the blue and uh, uh, and red and white hull. So, yeah, all my photographs of Carnival ships are getting, uh, out of date now, Baz. I need to start <laughs> traveling around and retaking pictures. <laughs> well, I might be able to help you with that because I'm just looking at a cruise, not till 2024, but considering a cruise on the Med, which ties in with this next piece of news that uh, Carnival announced just uh, yesterday, I think it was, that Carnival Legend is heading uh, across the Atlantic and is going to be homeported in three European cities for 2024. Yeah, so she's doing a transatlantic cruise, as they put it, because it's a 12-day trip. Um, rather mm-hmm. than the, the direct sort of point-to-point yep. crossings. Um, and it includes visits to a number of different ports along along the way, um, including ports in Portugal and Spain. Um, but uh, you're planning to do this one, are you, Baz? I'm thinking about it. Um, I'm th- thinking either the... Uh... The 10-day Greek Isles departing out of Rome, which takes in Mykonos, uh, Kushidasi in Turkey, Santorini, Athens, Katakolon, uh, Messina for Sicily, and a little visit into Naples before returning back to Rome. How exciting. That's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I've done, done those ports before, but are, are quite quite appealing to do it again. Yeah, and I mean, Carnival's uh, a brand that's like 
it's associated so strongly with the US market, but it has a presence in all different parts of the world. So mm. it's a great way to sort of experience Carnival in a different environment, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And if you do like Transatlantics, Carnival Glory is actually doing a Transatlantic in April of 2024, uh, which will see her going uh, from Spain uh, through to Port Canaveral. Exactly. So in the opposite mm. direction. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Aida, uh, the, of course, the, the German-speaking brand, uh, or the German-focused brand for Carnival Corporation, has announced not one, not two, but three ships in the Caribbean, Chris, in particular, in Antigua. Yes, exactly. So it's uh, Aida, D- Aida Diva, Aida Lung, and Aida Perla will be spending their uh, winter season in the Caribbean. Mm. Um, so yeah, again, like um, expanding their presence around around the world and giving uh, more options to uh, passengers to experience the Aida product, and particularly, I think will be welcomed by German speaking guests, given the ships uh, um, cater for for that particular market. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, 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 have you ever travelled on an Aida ship? No, I haven't actually. Um, no. I was looking at uh, Costa actually last week uh, as an alternative, and yeah, oh, I think really? it looked quite appealing. Yeah. And I think one of the most interesting things that that happened, Baz, is with these three ships being in the Caribbean, they've just met up with each other um, just this past Monday that's that's just gone um, to allow an opportunity for all three ships to be in the same place at the same time. Another little rendezvous there. Well, well done, Aida. Yeah, apparently the crew really enjoyed the opportunity to um, interact with their colleagues from the other ships, and um, they organised a special party on the pier for the guests of the three ships. <laughs> wow, awesome. Good news. <laughs> Brilliant, Aida. Uh, next up, we've got some news out of the UK, Chris, this time from Fred Olson, who have announced their 106-night voyage of exploration. Yes, it's on board Ballet, which of course mm. is a, a much-loved ship that's been very well welcomed into the Fred Olsen fleet. Yeah. Um, it uh, has a number of different uh, destinations that is included, including ports in Brazil, Argentina, French Polynesia, Mauritius, um, and South Africa. And then they'll also be coming to our part of the uh, of the world with a, a cruise along the coast uh, of Australia. Yeah, coming um, along the south coast, of course, meaning that she will visit Sydney, Hobart, Melbourne, Albany in WA, Fremantle in WA, before then heading across to uh, Mauritius. Yeah, it's interesting because they've uh, they've linked this in with the calls in ports that were visited by um, Br- British explorers, um, Matthew Flinders, for example, back in 1801. So mm. some different places there. And Australia's uh, coast was um, sort of charted by by various different European countries, including Britain. Um, so there's there's a bit of a, a link there. Awesome. Well done. Um, that, in fact, Chris, is all we have in, in cruise news for this week. But I know that you've got a little bit of uh, personal news. You're undertaking a run, I believe. I am, yes. So um, it's time for another fitness challenge. I remember we we uh, <laughs> we, we did a um, uh, about a was well, this time last year actually exactly a year ago. I did that Cape to Cape trek, walk, the 135 yeah. uh, kilometer walk. This one's much much shorter, but it's uh, for another good cause. We're raising money in. Uh, uh, it's just in support of uh, people who are living with type 1 diabetes. Uh, and so it's part of a, a big sort of running um, race that's done in, in Australia and uh, um, just raising money to try and raise uh, awareness and support for people living with type 1. Brilliant. Um, I am putting the link in the, the show notes. So if anybody is in, in in a position to be able to support you in any way, uh, even just a dollar or two, uh, would be very, very much appreciated. Oh, just jumping to the show notes to, to find that. Um, 
And uh, before we head off, Chris, have you uh, got a fact or fiction for me this week? I do, I do. And I'm fairly confident you're going to get this one. Fact or fiction. So, okay, pressure's on. on. <laughs> Hit me. All right, so when the White Star Line decided that they wanted to build what would ultimately become the largest passenger ships in the world at the time, mm-hmm. they uh, had a plan to build three ships three ships of the of the class. The first one was named Olympic, and so the class became the Olympic class. The second one was named Titanic, uh, which, of course, everybody already knows. And uh, there was a third ship that was named Britannic when she was launched and entered service after Titanic had sunk. But here's the fact or fiction. The ship's originally planned name was not Britannic, but instead it was Gigantic. Factual fiction. I think it's true. Yes! Yay! Really? You got it! <laughs> I actually thought it was false, but I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to go with true just to see. <laughs> yeah. So, so White Star Line was um, – good job. White Star <laughs> Line was not um, – they weren't like many of the other shipping lines in so much as they, they used to quite – quite easily and quite quickly advertise the names of their ships, um, even during the construction period. So if you see photographs of the shipyards when, say, mm-hmm. Titanic and Olympic were being built, because they were built side by side, and yeah. Olympic was built slightly ahead of Titanic, but the two ships kind of were right there next to each other when they were being constructed. You'll see before they were launched, before they entered service, there's a big plaque at, at the front of each of those slipways that says, you know, White Star Line Olympic, White Star Line Titanic. Mm-hmm. And the, the company didn't do um, the the traditional sort of champagne on the bow and the naming ceremony kind of thing like many of the other companies did. They basically just used to have a, have a very small key um, affair and, and would launch the ships and the, the name had already been decided well in advance. So mm-hmm. the Olympic class, all three ships were to be named with names ending in IC after um, Greek mythological figures. So there was the Olympians, mm-hmm. the Titans, and the Giants. And so you had Olympic, mm-hmm. Titanic, and Gigantic. And all three ships were of the same class. All three ships were of the same general design. Yeah. The third one was slightly larger, but visually looked pretty much exactly the same as the other two. So, of course, Titanic sinks on its maiden voyage, and White Star's going to build a, a, another one in, in the in the what was going to be a trio, but would have been a, a running mate to Olympic, mm-hmm. but it was felt that the name gigantic on a ship that looked like Titanic was a bit too close, uh, you know, okay. a bit too close yeah. for comfort, um, because there was already some apprehension about the Olympic class after Titanic sank. So the name was re- reworked as Britannic. It was in fact the second ship that White Star Line had had to be called Britannic. Um, mm. And she was launched uh, and, and, and uh, was in the fitting out process actually during World War One, and was immediately requisitioned for use as a um, hospital ship. And she served as a hospital ship for, for a period of time before um, very sadly hitting a mine in the Mediterranean and sinking as well. So um, we, Britannic never got an opportunity to sail as a, with fair paying passengers, but um, she she was the third in the trio. She's one that people don't necessarily remember because she was yep. after Titanic. And had all things gone according to plan, the three express liners for White Star would have been Olympic, Titanic, and Gigantic, which mm-hmm. um, you know would have, in an alternate universe, when things had worked out for White Star, that probably would have been quite a strong position for them to be in, to have those three 
large luxurious ships so yeah <laughs> so you got it right good job yeah <laughs> <laughs> i actually didn't know that much about britannic until quite recently actually it was actually my youngest son was asking me about britannic and i was like i don't know what you're talking about um and then he was like no no it was a third the third of the 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 ships and titanic sister i'm like really but he, yeah he knew all this all these oh, facts good on him. <laughs> well yeah. there you go well you're gonna yeah, have to think. you're gonna have to get him to help you study up <laughs> <laughs> definitely awesome well done chris uh appreciate it as always uh let's wrap it up and we'll do actually it won't be the same time next week because i'll be in sydney but we will have another episode which uh, we might record uh, just a day or so uh, do you want to remind the listeners why you're in sydney uh, we're going over to the Clear Awards. Uh, Clear mm. being, of course, the cruise organisation that uh, supports and trains uh, a lot of the, the cruise industry, including travel agents. And uh, I'm a finalist in a category of cruise ambassador. So I think it's for work that was done during the pandemic to mm. keep the, the good word of cruise and the popularity of cruise uh, at the forefront of people's minds whilst ships weren't necessarily working. Yeah, and I know that in the nomination that they put forward for you, they have acknowledged the stuff that you've done here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really exciting like to have the podcast up there with you. Um, uh, hopefully to, to win the award. In, in my opinion, it's, uh, it's hands down. <laughs> you, should, oh, yeah. uh, you should just, um, they should just post it to you now. But, uh, <laughs> but it will be fun for, for you to go across there and, and do that. And we'll all be, uh, all of us here, I'm sure, um, both myself as um, co-host but also all of the listeners I'm sure have got their fingers crossed for you Baz because you definitely deserve it thanks mate appreciate it we will uh, keep you posted on the the outcome next week sounds good (laughs) all right mate you have a great week and we'll catch up again next weekend thank you take care and good luck that's all for today if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts or wherever you find your favourite podcasts Until next time, bon voyage. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.